This is what editing is for. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Welcome back to Fishhawk, where we tell the stories of Mainers working to make the world a greener place. This is your host, Kate Shambaugh. I met with Lynn Rudder, the creator and director of Roots and Shoots Preschool, a nature-based preschool in Portland, Maine. While the preschool is no longer running, Lynn now runs an education group of children between the ages of four and seven in Maine called Knoll School during the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, we met in her home to discuss the preschool, what worked and what didn't, and how she got kids outside and excited about the environment. made you want to start a preschool Mm -hmm. what made you want to focus on that age group Mm. well um, one is I wanted something that I could do in my home setting Mm -hmm. and use my backyard and use the proximity of Baxter Woods and have it so open without um, prescribed transitional times and other requirements that public schools have. So I wanted a private school and the age of the children, you just see that they are so open and so curious and so eager and are, are, they have eyes um, and processes better, better than the smartest scientists. I mean, they can see things that most of us don't see. And I just, I love their discoveries, and I wanted to nurture and support those discoveries of young children. Your, it was a nature-based preschool. Mm-hmm. How exactly did you incorporate that? Mm-hmm. Incorporate um, conservation? Well, incorporate, incorporate conservation, but also mm-hmm. nature in general, because mm-hmm. preschools often indoors and have set activities. What did you do specifically to kind of gear people the children in that direction. Right, right. Um, Well, boy, um, if I didn't know before, I certainly know now that the outdoor environment is the best learning environment we could ever hope for. Um, The seasonal changes, the interactions with wildlife, um, the um, just the natural materials that they're interacting with, where they place their feet on a daily basis and what's underneath <laughs> from ice to uh, slick rain on moss to whatever um, but we were able to create in the backyard a backyard habitat and we were able by planting um, trees and shrubs and a garden we had a little mini ecosystem that we could watch the interactions of um, We've, what is an ecosystem? Well, it's an it's an <laughs> <laughs> definition. Yeah. It, um, an ecosystem is a, a a small sphere where you can investigate um, interactions between living things and organic and non-organic things. I suppose. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so a garden is great. I mean, um, through the season, um, you can see um, the growth, the sudden growth of an annual plant. You can see the worms that are creating habitats underneath that support the plant by supplying it with nutrients. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to see. And then we have a rabbit that hops through the garden and (laughs) we get to observe what his favorite foods are. (laughs) 
Clarence. Yeah, it's Clarence. Let's reference Clarence. <laughs> Clarence is the sweetest American rabbit. I have seen American rabbits in other preschools as well, and their large, soft bodies and patient, gentle demeanors make them perfect for working with young children. What did your curriculum look like? How did you come up with it? What were some things that you focused on? I uniquely chose a theme-based approach, and then it dawned on me to have it based on habitats. Mm. So each month was based on a habitat, and um, I selected that based on Maine and (laughs) seasonal changes and kind of what was logical. So everyone, I think every child typically learns about harvesting apples and pumpkins and all that in the fall. So our um, October theme was um, the meadow or the farm. And then we got to tie in you know, what grows and what's harvested and what some of our local plants and fruits look like. And to December was an evergreen tree and a tree can be a habitat. So we really studied birds and what lived in it. We even picnicked underneath a hemlock to see that there's minimal snow coverage under there and a great resting spot for deer, so. Where does one get the resources to talk about 12 different habitats throughout the year, all in your backyard and neighborhood? We um, got a donation of 100 pumpkins in the fall. Wow. And those 100 pumpkins brought in 100 plus squirrels wow. <laughs> to eat the seeds. And then we got to watch as snowfall came, the pumpkins get buried and tunnels going into those pumpkins. We only assumed that it was probably mice and other small rodents. Um, But providing food, providing shelter, and providing water would be outside daily having a picnic from, typically it would go um, the school year season, but into December and start Mm -hmm. as early as, well, sometimes February, having picnics outside would find a warm spot. Children also got to track the sun. And... um, and um, learn about wind protection and all that, how that contributes to. How do you track the sun with preschoolers? (laughs) Well, we did with shadows, but we also could see that different times of year at our 12 o'clock lunchtime, where it was sunny and how that varied sometimes. That's so interesting. Yeah, so, and then on our picnics, we get to watch birds bathing in the bird baths. So we had five bird houses where we watched nesting uh, activities and pulling materials from compost piles to um, to um, the hatching of chicks. We got to climb a ladder and watch hatching of chicks. So there was there was a lot of interaction with wildlife, which is surprising in a backyard, but. Um, you watch it on a daily basis, and it, you, you know, you're out there on a daily basis, and you can observe those kinds of things. I remember stopping by here one day, and you just had a massive bucket of dirt and worms. <laughs> and the kids all wanted to go, like, put their hands in the dirt with the worms. Yay. That and, comes over time, right? Children right. have to have, and that's probably the key thing that I'll say is exposure positive exposure to the outdoors, Um, being dressed for it, being introduced to worms and soil in a positive way, (laughs) contribute to their um, desire to interact with it. And um, 
you need that as the basis before you can move into and assume that as adults they're going to be good protectors of the environment or informed well enough to make complicated decisions because all these decisions have trade-offs and um, the interactions that play um, key roles get, um, you know, it gets very complicated. So I think that's the basis. Yes, putting their hands in soil with worms. (laughs) (laughs) Why preschoolers over other age groups? How young can you start constructively teaching children about the outdoors and environment? Well, um, I kind of targeted three to five-year-olds, but every time these young two-year-olds would show up, I I want you to start. So we did have families with um, two-year-olds that began, and then up to six because families decided that they wanted another alternative year prior to public schools for their kindergartners. So... Um, I am licensed for that age, and also I've taught kindergarten and, and um, up to fourth grade, so I was very aware of yeah. kind of that's the a, needs and transition. That's a really transformative time yeah. from two to five. How oh. did you, two to six oh, yes. even, how oh. did you work with two-year-olds mm. and six-year-olds at the same time and connect with all oh. of them? that multi-age and open-ended activities. There was never anything introduced that had a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. So no two-year-old ever felt like they weren't, you know, making the mark. Um, But the multi-age, I can't profess enough, and so often in our society we segment people by ages. And... um, the six-year-olds learn leadership skills and nurturing and how to in, engage and involve another child. When the tall tissue box tower was being built and they were carefully aligning them to see how high it could go and the two-year-old kicked it over, they're learning patience, they're learning how to communicate their feelings, they're learning how to engage the two-year-old but also request certain limits and the two-year-olds well they look up to older children and um, they often the two-year-olds would often hear a lot of no's and it would really bother me but I would under I would try to think of well what is the how is the world structured and how does this fit in and in their realm but um, um, the two-year-old older children tried very hard to engage the two-year-olds in a way that work for them as well and the two-year-olds had great playtime because that's what it mostly was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you have any students because you've been doing this for seven years do you have any students that you had at the very beginning that you've seen since then oh my gosh yes should I call them out by name <laughs> most all of them oh it's just such a beautiful community of families I just I love those families. I just got a card in the mail today from <laughs> from one with the family pictures. I hope a lot I hope they're sending more this season because um it's such a joy to watch them grow and change and just you know, but I think they are good, solid, happy children, and it's um good. wonderful creating community that's what it's all about. A lot of working with children is trial and error. I asked what worked the most in the preschool and what made it as successful as it was. 
Well, um, what worked most? I, what worked most was creating community. That the parents were all involved. They were all engaged. They were supportive of this kind of learning. They dress their children well. Clothing is really a survival thing in a nature-based preschool or any time out that we spend outdoors. And I typically hear people say, I hate winter. And, you know, you look at their clothing and you can understand why if you're not dressed for it. So the whole community aspect, I think, worked really well. And a home-based childcare is really cool because it's an easy extension from their own home. It's not institutional. Um, you have a lot more freedom as well to um, go, do, explore, whatever. If I have a tool we need, it's probably in the kitchen drawer or in the attic. <laughs> you can grab that. Um, and just the joyous play-based atmosphere. Bringing children outside and introducing them to the outside is a start. But how do you introduce them to more complex concepts of the environment and environmental conservation? Boy, just gardening with children is one of the easiest ways to obtain environmental ethics and environmental conservation, I think. Just gardening with children because, one, it's the whole permaculture perspective that you don't bring in new things and you don't dispose of things into landfills. You're saving your kitchen waste, you're using it for composting, you bring in a bale of hay for October's decoration, and <laughs> then you're using it for a seesaw or an obstacle course or a habitat for animals, and then you're using it into the garden for mulching, anything that can keep in moisture and keep down weeds. Um, but there's so much that can be learned through the garden, and I think a larger um, ethical perspective as well. And more green spaces. A lot of schools don't have that access and um, we're very fortunate with Baxter Woods and Evergreen Cemetery that we have that green space and it was well utilized by children and um, fine interactions with dogs I'll just say so keep them off leash. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn wanted to talk about the kids favorite toys and tools in the preschool and where you might find them and how you might work with them. Our favorite toys here were really finds from the side of the road to parent donations, but reusing materials. Cardboard boxes <laughs> <laughs> for spaceships, for farm stands, for bear caves, to t tissue paper boxes that we could stack and, you know, the two-year-old could kick over and <laughs> could use for bear caves and tubes and um, you know ropes and rocks and sticks and just just reusing materials and not buying and remembering that premise of be wise and don't buy and definitely omit plastics um, and you know hopefully children will you know think before I would get them even um, being consume, being aware consumers and say, when you buy a plastic toy and you're all done, where does it go? Hmm. Or when you buy a plastic toy, how is plastic made? And, right. and I think on a very simple level, without taking all the joy out of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having a new Lego set, I think you can just 
raise that awareness. In the early summer, I hosted um, teacher workshops and um, we talked a lot about philosophy and purpose of a nature-based curriculum and what this could do to um, help children adopt some of the ethics and um, conservation. We talked about creating a backyard habitat, creating play spaces, um, native plants that um, I think that children need to be surrounded with living things and a lot, mm -hmm. that's a lot of um, school playgrounds don't have that part. They have some nice structures and that's great because children love to hide and climb and and move but I think we really need to be surrounded by living things. Do you think that what you did with those kids will make a difference? Do you think they'll remember it? I don't know how much I remember from preschool mm. myself. Right. But do you think that the habits that you're starting now will will stay with them? Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly hope so. And I would say one thing I continue to do is try to stay in touch with families. I just invited them back for an event um, this fall of um, climb the ladder and pick a peach mm -hmm. as the peach tree was going off. So I think um, continued exposure um, will help, but I also think that um, they'll be stimulated by things they see in the environment. So they won't have to just reference what occurred indoors in their preschool experience, but they'll see things that stimulate that memory um, outdoors. And it was such a joyous time and there was so much laughter and I think that that emotion will spark the memories too, but I also think it was one of the best learning, learning experiences that anyone could have. So I think that a lot of growth occurred and um, I, I'm going to think it's going to last a lifetime. <laughs> what was your favorite part of this whole preschool experience? Uh, <laughs> the joy, the laughter. Um, children really loving being outside, anxious to be outside, um, learning to navigate on slippery ice that <laughs> <laughs> to um, With climbing. With children running yes. around you. <laughs> yeah. To climbing logs, their abilities that increase to climb trees and climb logs and walk through deep snow and navigate and identify signs of animals and um, just I, I know that that passion was developed and that was a fun process to watch. Mm -hmm.